We've been in this series, if you're kind of just joining in, uh, this is our fourth week, I believe, that we have been talking about relationships and what it looks like to move beyond where we are. And relationships is a big topic, right? That's not a small topic. That's not just kind of one little thing. It, it really composes so much of our life. We've got many different kinds of relationships. We have our marriage and we've got our family and kids, if you are parents, and parents, if you are, we all have parents, and, uh, you know, cousins and work relationships and neighbors and enemies and all sorts of different relationships that we have in our life, church and community group and friends and so much. So it's a, it's a big topic to talk about relationships. And, and the idea with this series has been that there is more, even as I prayed, that we can experience, that we can move beyond wherever we are right now. That wherever you are in your relationships, you can move further than where you are. You can move. But here's the truth. Oftentimes, we do move in our relationships, but sometimes we move in a direction that is worse. We move in our relationships, but a lot of times it moves to be worse. If you think about marriage, it starts off and there's a honeymoon and it's you've spent a bunch of money and you have invited all your friends and family and you've looked the best that you've ever looked just for those of you that are newlyweds or or uh, just about to get married that's the best you'll ever look that's why you don't hire a professional photographer most of the days of your life right you don't have a professional photographer following you around but on that day you'll spend a lot of money and it's okay cuz you have those pictures forever and you don't have that body forever but that is the, the wedding body, the honeymoon body. And then sometimes, and people even talk about kind of a honeymoon phase. And this is true not just in, in marriages, but in a lot of relationships. That there's a honeymoon phase where it starts off good, starts off exciting, it starts off beautiful, it starts off picture worthy. And then it can move to be worse at times. This is true in the church. Maybe you check out a community group and you join a community group and you meet some friends and it starts off great and then it moves and it's no longer what it once was. You no longer experience the joy that you had. You no longer experience the excitement that you had. There's something that kind of wears off and it's, it's not as fulfilling as it once was. Maybe it starts to just kind of feel old. Maybe it kind of starts to feel boring. Maybe you start to think, is there something better this can happen in all of our relationships, even for those of you that are parents. You have, we did four baby dedications last week. We love welcoming new kids into our community. And for parents, especially when you first have your, your first child, it's really exciting. And it's, oh man, I've got a baby and it's great. And then sometimes that excitement and, okay, now I just kind of have kids and just people to take care of. And it kind of can feel the same way that all of our relationships can feel. It can start off exciting it starts off beautiful, but sometimes our relationships move beyond, but they move beyond in a negative direction. They get old, they get uncomfortable, they're less fulfilling, less exciting. Maybe we complain about them. We start to find more of the things that are wrong in the relationships instead of the good things, which either leads to just a stagnation of, okay, this is just what it is. Or it leads to us maybe leaving those relationships to see if we can find something better, to restart the process 
all over again. And again, this happens in marriages, it happens in churches, it happens in friendships, it happens many different times. You've probably experienced this at some point. You've probably felt this at some point. And we've talked in this series so far about a handful of different things. We've talked about serving one another. We've talked about comforting one another. We're going to talk later about hospitality and about speaking into each other's lives. But there's another piece that we need to talk about that is essential that without this piece, our relationships might start off great and yet end up moving in a negative direction, moving in a place that is stale old, or just losing what we had. There's another piece that we have to talk about that in some ways holds together all the other things that we have and will talk about. There's a piece that we need that helps us not to just have relationships, but keep our relationships what God desires them to be. There's a piece that we need that helps us not just move beyond and learn certain skills and wisdom in our relationships, but helps us stay there and live there and move beyond that. There's something else that we need that's absolutely essential because, listen, I don't know how you feel about your relationships. You might feel that they're great. You might feel that they're awful. But God doesn't want for your relationships to start off great and then just slowly leak to be less and less and less. That's not what God wants. That's not, God doesn't want your wedding day to be this amazing thing, and then you take off the suit and take off the dress, and, and, then, and then it's just kind of, all right, that was it. That was great. That's not what God wants. God doesn't want your friendships to be awesome at first, and then, all right, yeah, I guess I've got some people. That's not what God's heart is for you. God wants us to move beyond where we are, to continue to move beyond where we are and experience all that he has for us, to fully experience. That's what God desires for us. So the question for today is, what do we need to keep our relationships strong? Or what do we need to continue to fully experience all that God wants for us in whatever relationship that we have? So keep in mind some relationship. Keep in mind your spouse or your community group or your friends or your kids. Keep in mind some relationship as we talk this morning about what it is that we need to keep our relationships moving, to keep experiencing all that God desires for them to be. So let's start with this. What is it that we need to fully experience what God has for us in our relationships? What do we need? And I want to read this passage. We looked at this passage before, but this is just kind of one of the classic passages in the Bible that talks about the early church as it was started and the community that they had. And it it doesn't include everything in community, but it's a great snapshot. And it's about community in the church, which includes marriages. It includes friendships. It includes families. So it includes everything. But just look at this little snapshot. It says, so those who accepted his message, Peter had just I gotten done preaching, were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple 
and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It's this great picture as the church gets started of community. It includes a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. It includes this love. It includes this serving of one another in practical ways. And we know that the Bible teaches all sorts of different things. If we were to map out what do we need to know about relationships, what do we need to know about the church or a marriage or family, if we were to map that out, we could probably come up with a lot of similar things. There's, we need to speak the truth to one another. We need to be gracious to one another. We need to uh, comfort one another in suffering and serve one another. We need to uh, be inclusive of one another and understanding of one another. There's all sorts of kind of things that we could map out if we were to paint a picture of healthy relationships and community. But there's one here that we often miss and yet is key to what we need to fully experience what God has for us. And it says it like this. They devoted themselves. And then later, every day they devoted themselves. It's this word devotion or devoted. It's a strong word we don't often think about. And if you think about the word devotion or if you think about being devoted to something, sometimes I'll kind of type in something into Google and look at images or look at the news. And when I typed in devoted into the news, everything that popped up was an obituary because a lot of times that's one of the occasions that we'll use devoted. They were a devoted mom. They were a devoted husband. They were a devoted father. They were a devoted friend. They were, we use it at that time when we're eulogizing someone. Maybe whether it's true or false, it doesn't matter. Everybody becomes a saint in the end. And we talk about it maybe at that time. Uh, maybe you think about athletics. You can think about people that are devoted, Olympians. We watched uh, last, last what's today, Sunday? I guess, of course it's Sunday. Uh, we watched, last night we watched, um, I'm fully here, don't worry, okay? We watched uh, Chariots of Fire, which is an old classic 80s movie. It's great. I know most of you probably have never seen it, but it's a great movie. Um, and it's about uh, Eric Little, who is an Olympian athlete and Christian. And there's devotion that sometimes gets talked about in those settings. We don't use that word a ton, right? But it's an intense word. To say that someone is devoted or to say that someone has devotion, that's an intense word. That maybe we use when we talk about romance, maybe we use when we talk about someone's death, and maybe we use when we talk about the Olympics. But here, it's talking about relationships. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Yes, okay. We might even use it in that context to say, I'm devoted to God. But they also devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's to the relationships. And then later, they, they devoted themselves every day to coming together and being... There's this devotion that it's applying to their relationships. That none of the stuff it talks about in here, none of the serving and, and none of the stuff that we've talked about throughout uh, this series and that we will talk about, none of that stuff would exist if there wasn't a context of devotion that was happening. Because devotion means not just that you have something, not just that it's there, not just that it's present, but that you are fully experiencing it, that you're fully entering into it. 
If you want to not just have a marriage, have a family, have a church, have friends, if you don't just want to have those things, but fully experience all that it could be, that takes devotion. It takes fully entering into something. We can never fully experience what God has for us if we just dabble. You can never fully experience what God has for you in your marriage and in your family and in your friendships and in your church if we just dabble in it. This is true in all of life, right? If you just dabble in something, you never fully get what it could be. Some of you have experienced this in various times where we use even a common phrase of you get out of it what you put into it. Right? And that's true with education, that's true with your career, it's true with uh, fitness and diet, and it's true with our relationships. What's the best way to learn a language? It's not just to kind of try to memorize some words, but to fully immerse yourself in a culture. And then, because you're fully immersed, you are devoted even by even just by proxy, you're devoted into something which creates a full experience of that thing. Anytime we just dabble, we don't fully get what it could be. I don't know if uh, we, my family and I, we went to Disney World last year, and we did we did it in one day, and we got to, we went all we were very tired, but we saw we saw everything. And there's a Star Wars land. And if you're Star Wars fans, it's, I love, it's so cool. Because it's, and this is what's cool about Disneyland and Disney World in general. It's an immersive experience. It's a whole world that they build. And you go in and you can talk to the characters and stormtroopers are pointing guns at you. And you're like, this is great. I'm going to die for the rebellion. It's, it's awesome, right? And you're, you're fully immersed in an experience. This is why even right now, a lot of, uh, if you go to, we haven't been yet, but uh, Meow Wolf, the art, um, I don't even know what to call it. It's an art gallery, but it's an immersive experience in a lot of even stuff at Denver Art Museum and things. They're trying to make things immersive. And 3D movies, or if you've done a, I don't know if you've done a 4DX movie, it's, you go to Regal downtown and sit in a chair and they've got rain that comes on you and they've got smells and the chairs move around and it's this immersive experience. It's why virtual reality is popular and gaining in popularity because to be immersed in something helps you more fully experience it. The more immersed, the more in something you are, the more that you fully experience all that it is. If you're sort of in you sort of experience it. If you dabble, you get just kind of what's at the top. Right? Think about a maybe a think about a hot tub. If you kind of just put your hand in or wiggle your toes in, you might, oh, that's kind of nice. That feels good on my toes. But it's not until you actually get in and the jets are on you and you're soaked and other people's hair floating towards you. It's not, it's not until that point. I was trying to make a hot tub sound great, but then I was like, ah, they're kind of sick, actually. You're taking a bath with other people. But it's, but it's not until you're all the way in that you fully experience what it's supposed to be, that you fully experience the benefits and the grossness of it. You have to be all the way in. So listen, God wants more than casual relationship for you. 
And this is true with all of your relationships. Think about some of the things that we've talked about. Again, think serving one another, comforting one another, not being self-centered. All of these different things in relationships, God doesn't want you to kind of have a dabbled experience of that. He wants you to be fully immersed in a relationship where you experience and give serving, where you experience and give comfort, where you experience and give truth. God wants you to be fully immersed in that. He doesn't want a dabbling experience for you. And the way that you get that is devotion. That's what devotion is. And so if we explore this even more of what it means to be devoted, devotion is the way that you fully experience everything that God wants for you in your relationships. You can't get it if you're just at the surface. But what does it mean then to be devoted? If devotion is what it takes to fully experience, what does that mean? What does it mean to be devoted to your relationships or to be devoted to something in general? And really there's kind of two qualities or two parts that make up devotion. And the first is energy or effort. You don't have devotion if there's not energy and effort being exercised towards something. So think about relationships again. Think about the ones that you have. Often it takes a lot of work to get them in the first place. Probably didn't, your spouse probably didn't just appear out of nowhere. I think that only happened to Adam. He was sleeping, woke up, and God's like, here's your wife. I'm like, oh, that was easy. Thanks. No Tinder, no uh, eHarmony, no dating. Thank you, God. That was amazing. Ever since then, it's been harder, right? But your relationships probably take some work to get. If you're, if you're checking out churches, that takes some work to meet people, have awkward conversations, develop friendships. If you're in school, it takes some work to get some relationships. You don't just have friends on the first day. It takes some work. It takes some effort to form relationships. So it takes work to get them. But then often what happens is this. We coast. We do the work to get them. We have them. And then we coast. We have the relationship. We have the friend. We have the spouse. We have the church. have the kids. We do the work up front. And then it's kind of over. But devotion is what it's needed to fully experience. And devotion means effort. Devotion means energy poured into something. Let me show you a handful of different places where the Bible speaks about this in regards to our relationships. We already looked at this one, but it says every day they devoted themselves. So that's talking about an effort and an energy that's related to time. Like you can't, you can't have everything that they talked about without every day. I'm not saying literally every day that you have to get together with people or that every day you have to, uh, you know, we meet here once a week. I'm not saying every day, but this time component is important for devotion. There's no such thing as relationships where there's not a daily component to it where you are investing in it. Your relationships will not be what they could be without devotion. Part of devotion is time put into it. You can't have a strong relationship that you invest in a few times a month or a few times a year. It takes time put into something. 
In Ephesians, it says this, Paul says, Therefore I, prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received with all humility and gentleness. Now just look at, he's talking about relational language, right? Humility and gentleness. This is how we approach one another with patience, bearing with one another in love. And then he says, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's saying, because of the Holy Spirit, you have been united together. And here is the way that that should form how you live together. All of these relational qualities, some of which we've talked about, some of which we won't talk about in this series, but that are important. Humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and love. All of these things that we want our relationships to look like. But how does that happen? It happens through devotion, which part of devotion is energy or effort. It won't just happen. You won't just have patience and humility in your relationships. You won't just bear with one another and have forgiveness in your marriage. You won't just have friendships where you are having, that you're united with one another, that there's a humility where you understand one another. That won't just happen. It takes devotion, which equals making every effort. That's important. He says in 2 Peter, for this very reason... This time up at the front, but you'll see again at the bottom is relational qualities. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And he kind of builds to this brotherly affection and love. But he is saying, make every effort. You won't just get brotherly affection and you won't just get love. It won't just happen. You don't just drift into that. Your relationships will not just have love. It won't just happen. You won't just have affection for the people in your community group. You won't just have a love that serves and comforts and speaks in your marriage. You won't just have these things. That's why over and over and over again, the Bible talks about it's required to have devotion making every effort, spending daily time. Romans 12 says this, love one another, look at this kind of energy and effort words, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. All of these energy, effort words are put in there. It doesn't just happen. So many times we do the work to get a relationship and then we coast. We do the work to have a relationship. We've started a family. We've started a marriage. We've started in a church. We've entered into a community group. You texted the number. You made that friend at work. You made that friend at school. We do all of the work up front. But all throughout the Bible, it gives us these calls. Make every effort. Be diligent. Take the lead. Deeply love one another saying that if you want to fully experience it, it won't just happen. It takes devotion. Last one, 1 Thessalonians says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, and yet he does, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So listen, even if you feel like your relationships are great right now, even if you feel like, man, my marriage is awesome. My community group is awesome. I, I'm getting a lot out of it. That's awesome. But there's still more that God has for you. 
which is why Paul can say, you, you, you don't actually even need anyone to teach you about this. You're learning from God how to love one another. And yet, I urge you, don't stop there. Don't settle there. Don't be content there. Be devoted more and more. God wants you to fully experience all that he has for you. And that takes devotion. Part of what devotion means is energy, which means we shouldn't settle for wherever we are. You may have had friends for years. You may be just starting them. You may just be starting your marriage. You may have, you may have been married for decades. You may be just starting your family. You may be on number three, four, five, six. Wherever we are, we shouldn't settle. We can always grow. To be devoted means we make effort. We spend time. We take the lead. We pursue it deeply. We put energy. What would that look like in your relationships? Is, does this describe your relationships? If you think about your marriage or your community group, or your friendships, is this what it looks like? Is this energy that it's talking about what it looks like? Maybe you look at some of your relationships and you feel the gap. You feel like it's not what it could be. I wish my friends were more. I wish my marriage was more. I wish my church was more. Maybe you feel that. Are you devoted? Are you putting in the energy that creates the full experience that you desire for it to be? This can look like a lot of things. Part of what it would look like to be devoted with this kind of energy means that you try to learn. It means you say, okay, I want to learn in my family. I want to learn how to be a better parent, be a better husband, be a better wife. I want to learn God's vision for these things. I want to learn what it looks like to be a friend and what it looks like to serve other people. Or It means you seek to take the onus of making every effort to learn something. It means that you confess Part of making every effort is to say, man, I have not done this well. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Part of what it looks like to make every effort and to exercise devotion and energy is that we do spend time with each other. Part of what it means is that we get help if we need help. It's not waiting until something blows up. It's not waiting until everything is empty but saying, I need help. I need to learn how to do this. I want to put energy in. I want to do this deeply. It might look like getting help. It might look like just trying to continue to grow in various aspects that flow into your relationships. So think about what could be in your relationships. Think about what could be. Think about where it could move to. Think about what could happen in your friendships and what could happen in your marriage. Think about what could be. Think about the vision of what is possible. How do you get there? You won't coast into it. It takes devotion. God has a vision for your relationships that he wants you to experience, but you won't coast into it. It takes devotion, which equals energy. And when we don't put in the energy, oftentimes because we just want things to be easy, 
we actually lose out. Uh, I like to hike. My family and I like to hike, but I don't like to do too hard of hikes. That's why we've never done a 14er. But I, I love uh, Mount Evans. I don't know if you've been up to Mount Evans. It's the highest point in North America that you can drive to. That's why I love it. Because you get amazing views and you can drive. It feels like you did a lot of work and you get to see the top and see every. You get all of the beauty without any of the work. That's not how relationships are, though. There's no Mount Evans driveway in relationships. If you want the end game experience, if you want, if you want the vision of what could be, it actually takes the effort and the energy to get there. And sometimes we look at our relationships and feel disappointed that they're not what we want them to be, but we're also not actually devoted to them. We settle for what they are instead of devoted to what they could be. So that's the first part. The first part of what it means to be devoted is energy. And then the second part is endurance. When, where, who, when are you tempted to give up on your relationships? Where are you tempted to just kind of be done? And that might be be done in the I'm, I'm out of here, I quit. Or it might be be done and just I'm, I'm done putting in the work. They want to do it, great, but I'm done. Where are you tempted to kind of give up or give in? Sometimes it's when our relationships have a lot of suffering around us and it's just too hard. Sometimes it's when people sin against us and that tests the relationship. And it might be a sin or it might be just a recurring sin that we're just like, okay, I, I can't handle this anymore. I'm done. I signed up for a loving marriage, or I signed up for a loving friendship, or I signed up for a loving church, or I signed up for a loving family, or whatever it is that we kind of just say, I, I, I'm done now. Where are you tempted to give up? Maybe it's just you're bored with your relationships. Again, they started off with a bang, they were exciting, and now, eh, not that great. Maybe there's something else out there. Where are you tempted to kind of be done? Oftentimes, we have relationships maybe even work on them. But when they get hard, we look for something better. And listen, if you look for something better, it probably will be at first. Because it's always easy to kind of restart. You start a new job, it might be, this is great, everyone's fun, everyone's friendly, everyone's awesome, and just make sure you quit before your performance review. And then start another job. It's great. It's awesome. Everything's good. And you can do that in relationships, and a lot of people do. Kind of cycle through. And never endure, which means they never fully experience what they could be because there's not devotion. Oftentimes when things get hard, we either end them, look for something better, and yet our call and part of what it means to be devoted and thus to fully experience, part of what it means to be devoted is energy, but it's also energy plus endurance. It's not a sprint. It's not just a burst of energy. All right, I, I gave it my all. It's energy plus endurance. Here's some places in the Bible that speak to this. First Peter again says, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, Love one another constantly. He's saying you have these relationships 
You've entered into them. You love each other. You are showing sincere brotherly love for each other. It's coming from a pure heart. That's awesome. That's a great start. Do it constantly. That's endurance. Keep going. You won't fully experience the love that could be that you currently even have if you don't keep going. 1 Peter 4.8, again, says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. This speaks to the idea that there's going to be sins in your relationship. People are going to hurt you. People are going to offend you. And that is often the point that we exit. It's often the point when we get hurt. It's often the point when someone lets us down, when someone gossips about us, when someone mistreats us, when someone judges us, when we don't like the way someone handles something, when we're suspicious of someone, when we don't like their annoying habits, whatever it is, when they're not doing the things, hey, you, you heard the sermon, you're supposed to serve me. You're supposed to comfort me. You're not doing that. It's often at those points where there's sins that we exit or that we quit. He says, maintain constant love, endure, because love covers a multitude of sins. Meaning there's going to be a multitude of sins happening in your relationships. But if you maintain love, if you endure with love, it covers those. It continues, keeps going. Hebrews 13, very simple. If you want to memorize a verse, here you go. Jesus wept, shortest verse in the Bible. This might be number two, but it's right. It's right. You, can, you could memorize two verses you know, today. Let brotherly love continue. And the reason I even, it's a simple verse, but I put it on there just to say, again, there's things that you have. You might have a loving relationship, but devotion, the call is keep going endure. It's not a spurt. It's not a moment. It's not a day. It's not a season. It is continued. It's endurance. And then this final one, this is a famous chapter on love, and it builds to the end, which will be about endurance, but it says love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. So again, it's kind of all these beautiful qualities of love that we want in all of our relationships. But then he tops it off with this about endurance. It bears all things. It means it keeps going. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends. Part of the quality of love is not just this great stuff that happens and and what describes it, but it's that it keeps going. It doesn't stop in the face of suspicion. It doesn't stop in the face of difficulty. It doesn't stop in the face of sin. It keeps going. It never ends. So to fully experience everything that God has for us requires devotion, not dabbling. And devotion equals energy, and it equals endurance, which means that we expect sin. We expect hardness. We expect suffering. We expect awkwardness. We expect difficulty. We expect people not fully kind of giving what we are giving. We expect all of that, and yet continue. We remain 
When we quit, we miss what could be. When we give up, often it's actually right at that moment when we're ready to tap out. It's often right at that moment that if we were to endure, we would more fully experience what that relationship could be. It's in the moment when someone has sinned against you that you actually have the opportunity to exercise forgiveness and grace, which would push you into a deeper experience of that relationship. It's in the opportunity when someone is suffering and we feel like, I just can't, I can't be there anymore for them, I can't handle it anymore, and we tap out, and if we pushed through and maintained love, we would actually experience more of what could be in that relationship. It's in the moment when our friends are getting on our nerves or we feel like they're not there for us, that if we were to push in, it would take it to another level. It would take it to a place that God intends it to go. Endurance. When we quit, we miss what could be. I, I used to play three instruments. Took two years of piano. Took four years of guitar. And took a few months of recorder. <laughs> and I could have been Kenny G on the recorder if I had... <laughs> kept going, or guitar, or piano, but I can't play anything anymore. I can't, if I touch these things, they will fall apart. I can't, I can't touch them. And so, and here's the thing, I, I wish I could. I wish that I could fully experience what, what, it, what music is. There's times, that, and you might not be like this, that's fine, but I, I, there's times that I feel something deeply and wish I could sit down on a piano and play my feelings. Wish I could grab a guitar and you know, play a love song to my wife. And I can't. So I don't. I can just say, listen to this song. You know, That's all I can do. This is how I feel. I wish I could do that. But I can't fully experience something of what it could be because I gave up. No, I'm not saying you have to always stick every single thing out. Of course, you give up on it. We give up on all sorts of things all the time. But the point is that to be devoted is the only way to fully experience something. And part of devotion is energy, and part of it is endurance. And when you endure, that's what pushes you on to the next levels of being able to experience what something could be. Now, the final question that I want to explore is how we can have this kind of devotion. Devotion is how we fully experience. Devotion equals energy and endurance. How can we get devotion like this? Because God wants you to experience devoted relationships and all that they could be. How can we have it? Because it's not easy. If it was easy, there wouldn't be so many calls in the Bible encouraging us towards it. We wouldn't have experienced the lack of it in our life. It's hard. It's hard because a lot of times we're just focused on our happiness and not thinking of the long term. It's hard because a lot of times it's easier to have comfort more so than it is commitment. It's hard because it's easier to avoid difficult conversations than it is to push in. It's hard because a lot of times just the freedom of options feels better to us than being devoted to something. So it's hard. 
What can help us? Three things. The first is simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple. It's to confess in your relationships where you haven't been devoted. And the reason I start with that instead of, okay, do this, that will help you, or just double down is because the Bible gives us this picture of devotion, which means to not be devoted in this way isn't just kind of an oversight or a mistake, but really it is sin. We are not loving in the way that God has called us to love. We're not honoring God. We're not honoring one another. And so I, I want you to just think in your relationships where there hasn't been the energy or the endurance that the Bible gives to us here. Confess that. Say, I'm sorry, I haven't, I haven't given my all to this relationship. Maybe that's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your community group. But to say, I, I haven't been devoted. Starts with confession. Change always begins there. And then second is to act which means to just begin doing the things that a devoted person does. And as I say that, sometimes, especially maybe for those of you that are younger, those of you that are older, you can check your sports, uh, especially for those of us that are younger, sometimes to say, do something, even if you don't feel it, feels, oh, that's so inauthentic, could never do that, I need to be real, I could never kind of act in a devoted way if that's not what I felt like. But that's uh, really a misunderstanding of oftentimes how our emotions and our feelings work. Because if God calls, first of all, if God calls you to something, the right action is to do it, regardless of how you feel. Secondly, our feelings often follow our actions. When we do something, oftentimes that's what leads to our hearts feeling something. It might take some time, but that's often what happens. This is not the slide I was going to go to. I'll be patient. Maybe not that patient. Okay, uh, there's a, a quote that I was going to share with you from C.S. Lewis, of course. And so you can just imagine his face. And he says exactly what I just said. So there's the quote. He just says, <laughs> a lot of times we think, well, I'll just work up loving feelings and then I'll do it. But that's not how it works. What happens is that as we do the devoted things, as you say, I'm gonna, I, don't, I might not feel like making every effort, but I'm going to do it. I might not feel like working on my marriage. I might not feel like uh, working on my friendships and enduring. I might not feel like that, but as we do that, our feelings follow. So just trust me, C.S. Lewis agrees with me or I agree with him. I will need those slides back if we can. I don't know if there's a way to do it even if it doesn't come on here. So if, if you can figure it out, that'd be great. If not, I'll, I'll try to figure it out. So the way that we can have this kind of devotion, there it is, but we'll skip it because he says, I agree with Caleb. That's basically what the quote is. <laughs> We confess, we act, and then finally, the way that we can have this kind of devotion is that we have to see how God has been devoted to us. We have to see how God has exercised his energy and his endurance towards us to know that God has been faithful to us. That's, that's really the word that the Bible uses for God's devotion towards us is his faithfulness. Let me show you just a couple of these says in 1 Corinthians, 
I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this beginning part is really talking about what we have in Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you've been saved by him, it's saying, Paul is saying, I'm so thankful that God has given you grace. I'm so thankful that he's given you mercy, that he's enriched you, that he's uh, saved you, that the testimony about Christ that was confirmed among you, he's, he's saying something that God has done for them. That's the beginning. But then he says, he will also strengthen you to the end. That's endurance and energy. So that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's what this is saying. God called you into fellowship, but that's not the end of it. He doesn't stop there. He saved you, but he also is committed to you. He brings you in, but he's also devoted to you. He will strengthen you to the end. So if you are a Christian, God has not only called you, he's committed to you. He doesn't give up on you. He says, you're mine, and I am going to be with you to the end, strengthening you. That's energy and endurance. I'm going all the way with you, through all the ups and downs, through every valley and through every peak, through every difficulty and every joy. God is saying, I am committed. I called you into relationship with me, but that wasn't the end. It wasn't just that God wanted to save you and not have you go to hell, it's that he says, I am with you now forever to the end. God will not give up on you. God uses all of his energy to strengthen you, to help you know more of who he is and more of the life that he has for you. And he will do that to the end. God doesn't give up on you. He's faithful to you. He's committed to you. He goes the distance with you. One more. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Again, it's saying, you've been saved. He's brought you in. And he is not going to give up. He is faithful. He will do it. He is working on you, committed to you. And that's true in your relationships, and it's true in every part of your life. God sees your life. And he says, I'm not giving up on you. God sees your life. He sees the areas of struggle. He sees the areas of sin. He sees the areas of suffering. He sees where we've blown it in our relationships. And he says, I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to the end, all the way. God will not give up on you. He is faithful. He will do it. If you belong to him, if he has called you, he's committed to you. That's what he says. We all want to experience more in our relationships. And the Bible says that the way that we can have that is devotion. 
And it helps us to see that devotion is this endurance and this energy. But that happens as we remember more and more his devotion to us. And when we take communion, really, that's a big piece of what we're remembering. It says of Jesus that he endured the cross. He endured. He went all the way. He exercised all of his energy for us. He endured all the way to the end for us to forgive us of our sins. On the cross, all of our sin, all of our relational failings, all our failings against God and one another, go to him on the cross. His body broken, his blood shed to forgive us of our sins. His death in our place. That's energy. That's endurance. That's him going all the way for you and I. That's him not giving up, even what was difficult for you and I. That's part of what we remember when we take communion. That we have a God that is faithful, that endured for us, that exercised his energy for us. And when we see that, when we remember that, it does multiple things. Part of what it does is, part of what it does is helps us to see where we've failed. Like, I'm not like that. So even as you take communion, you can confess your sin and say, God, I, I haven't had the devotion that I should have. And part of what it does is show us, okay, that's what it looks like. So we know the direction to go. And part of what it does is, listen, I don't know about you, but don't you, don't, you wish, don't you wish you had people that were devoted to you, fully enduring, fully giving energy? And maybe at times we do, but we often feel the gap of that. We often feel the lack of that. Maybe even as I'm talking about it, you go, man, yeah, that'd be nice, but I don't have that. But the more that we see his faithfulness and devotion to us, we do have it. Which allows us, if we're filled with that, to have grace towards people that aren't giving it as fully as we might like. And as we focus on his faithfulness and devotion to us, it helps us to be changed to be able to give that to others. So let's pray, take communion, remember the faithful God that we have that will not give up on you, that will not let you go, who will be faithful to you to the end. Father, I thank you for your goodness, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your faithfulness, your utter commitment to us, your devotion to us. You didn't just save us, but you are committed to us. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, that you endured to the end for us. I pray that you would help these truths to go deeper in our heart as we sing and as we take communion. In your name, amen.